On New Year's Day, January 1st of 2024, the top two favorites for winning the national championship game will take the field in the Rose Bowl to battle it out for a chance to reach the national championship game and face the winner of the Sugar Bowl, which features number two Washington against number three Texas. Michigan is the one seed, 13-0, Big Ten champions with an unblemished record. Alabama is the four seed with a 12-1 record, their lone loss coming at home to Texas in a humiliating butt-kicking. But since that game, Alabama has transformed. They've undergone their own metamorphosis, beating Georgia in the SEC championship game. And despite being a two-point underdog, the only time outside of the 2021 national championship game against Georgia, when Alabama was an underdog in a college football playoff game, semifinal or national title, at this current moment, many of the bets are on the Alabama Crimson Tide to win this game. So this is going to be a game that could be one for the ages, could be one of the best college football playoff semifinal games of all time, but nothing's a guarantee. We're going to have to see how it plays out on New Year's Day. Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam, and today I want to do an early preview of the Rose Bowl. I'm going to wait to give my official preview and prediction, although this is really a preview video, but I'm going to wait to give my prediction until next week. So if you want to see that video, hit the notification bell and subscribe to this channel and join an awesome community of 13,100 subscribers and one that is growing. We're trying to hit 20,000 as our next goal and from there, hopefully get into six figures of subscriber numbers. So to help us with that, also, like this video and watch it all the way through so that we can get this video and others into the algorithm. Comment your thoughts on this game down below, and I will try to respond to your comment as best I can. I love having conversations with the college football community. This is the best Big Ten football channel on YouTube, but I also do enjoy talking about other teams from other Power Five and other conferences in general. I have a lot of respect for Nick Saban in Alabama, and I do think that this is Nick Saban's best coaching job, or at the very least one of his best coaching jobs in his entire head coaching tenure at Alabama and head coach career at Alabama, LSU, Michigan State, and otherwise. This is an Alabama team that is not the same as 2018, 2019, 2020 Alabama and I don't think they have the same talent or ceiling that 2021 or 2022 Alabama did. And then you go back to 2017 and pre-2017 Alabama, teams that had more of a defensive identity that hadn't delved into the spread yet, no Mike Loxley or Steve Sarkeesian yet, and those teams were dominant in the trenches, dominant on defense. Alabama then transitioned to more of dominance from a skill position standpoint and a defense that was near elite that had an elite upside but wasn't as together cohesive didn't have the same attention to detail in my opinion but a defense that was still built for success Nick Saban this season has tried to bring Alabama back to more of a pre-2018 look 
And it's had some success, but there have been some rough patches as well. So I like to talk about non-Big Ten teams too, and I'm going to have a lot of fun making this early preview. We're going to be diving into statistics and all the goodies. Make sure also, if you want to support the channel, to check out my Patreon page via the link in the description and also the pinned comment. And please make your prediction or analysis in the comments. Again, you may see something, you probably see something, or have a certain viewpoint that I can't necessarily access. And that will help me in the future reading your comments and replying to them to think about better ways to phrase things and better points of analysis for future videos that I'm going to be making about the Rose Bowl because I am going to be talking about Jalen Milrow and J.J. McCarthy because I think there's an interesting quarterback conundrum with both teams. Both teams like to spoon-feed their quarterbacks' passes and they don't necessarily prefer to have McCarthy for Michigan or Milrow for Alabama carry the game for them. And there's a lot of interesting things about both teams. There are plenty of reasons why Alabama can win, plenty of reasons why Michigan can win. And we're going to be discussing a lot of these talking points in this video today. Again, like, subscribe, click the notification bell. And that's the last time I'm going to mention it. Let's talk about the Rose Bowl. Michigan right now is a two-point favorite per ESPN bet. You look on Action Network, they're about a consensus one-and-a-half-point favorite everywhere. And on Action Network, last time I checked earlier today, three-quarters of public bets are on Alabama. That number is falling. It was higher than that. And I expect it to continue to fall as when Michigan played Penn State on the road and when they hosted Ohio State in Ann Arbor, a lot of the early bets were placed on Michigan opponents and then leading up to those games, the public opinion and numbers shifted towards Michigan. Not that that stuff necessarily matters. I do think it has a slight impact, though, because players, they have social media, whether it's Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, everything. I, I don't engage a ton on social media, and that's something that I'm probably going to change entering 2024 just to branch out, and I think it's a must in order to grow the channel. Let me know what you think about that in the comments. But players have that, and they see things. And as much as we may like to believe that players and coaches don't pay attention to public perception, they absolutely do. Look at Ryan Day and how he's managed Ohio State. There have been some good things that he has done in reaction to public opinion, and there have also been some pretty questionable things that he's done in reaction to public opinion. His rant about Lou Holtz, that right there is an obvious sign that he was paying attention to Lou Holtz and what he had to say. And I think how he's managed his offense is in part in response to his own fan base and analyst complaints about how Ohio State doesn't run the ball enough and they're not Big Ten enough. And I think that's an area of reaction for Ryan Day, just as an example, that isn't good. But a good one that he did make was changing out the defense. Coaches do listen, and players do listen, to public opinion, whether we like to believe that or not. And there is such a thing, and Nick Saban has mentioned it before, like against Georgia in the 2021 SEC championship game, it's called rat poison. 
where you get a little too high on yourself and then reality punches you in the face and your teeth come flying out and you puke up a bunch of blood, which is what Alabama did to Georgia in that SEC championship game. They maimed them. They killed them. And that was a beating of epic proportions. If Georgia wins that game and then wins the national championship, 2021 Georgia could be talked about as an all-time great team, but that one ugly blemish is there. And I guess that's point number one, or contention number one, for this matchup, is Nick Saban versus Jim Harbaugh. I'm not going to dance around this talking point at all, because I think it would be insane to, because Nick Saban's the better head coach than Jim Harbaugh, and that is not up for debate. I think Jim Harbaugh right now is a top four, top five head coach in college football. You can disagree with that. You can call me a lunatic. But I'm not going to say that he's better than Nick Saban. And if I were to, uh, Jim Harbaugh is better than Nick Saban. That would be an example of trolling. And we typically don't do that here on this channel. Or if I do or we do, it's pretty clear that I'm being sarcastic. Nick Saban's the better head coach than Jim Harbaugh. Nick Saban has more national titles than I can count on one hand. That's very impressive. Nick Saban has fielded teams like 2020 Alabama that are up in contention for being some of the most efficient and most breathtaking teams of all time. Even teams that haven't won the national championship under Nick Saban, like 2021 Alabama or 2018 Alabama, or let me just think, like 2013 Alabama who looked super dominant, and then Auburn had the kick six, and that pushed him out of national championship contention. There are several Nick Saban teams that could have won the national championship, but they didn't because it's that hard to, to sustain the success that Nick Saban has had. Nick Saban at Alabama, his record, his head coaching record at the University of Alabama is 201-28, and He has six national championships at Alabama. In total, he has 11 SEC championships, two of them at LSU, nine of them at Alabama, which is just nuts. Nine of them since 2009. He has had an SEC championship game appearance in 2008 where he lost, and he hasn't won an SEC championship game appearance since then. And every year... Every year, except for 2007, 2010, 2011, and 2019, he has shared a West Division title or won it outright. That's an impressive, impressive resume. He also has a 9-4 and record in the college football playoff. This is in comparison to Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is a great head coach. And there's a reason why Michigan's rated as the number one team in the country right now in the college football playoff, AP poll, coaches poll, and also ESPN's FPI. They're number one in a lot of power metrics. Jim Harbaugh's 84-25 and 25 at Michigan. Jim Harbaugh's 0-2 in college football playoff games. He's 1-6 in bowl games, 0-4 in New Year's 6 bowl games. And he is tied for first in the Big Ten East or won it outright four times never won a national championship game. He's never even been to a national championship game as a head coach. Again, all of these statistics are from his tenure at Michigan. Nick Saban's a much better head coach than Jim Harbaugh. And 
I don't think that that right there is up for debate. And having the better head coach is a big deal. That's why a lot of people are picking Nick Saban to win this game. And I think that's a very valid point because in these big games, you're shaken typically and your core is revealed. And Alabama, their core is the most talented roster by recruiting rankings in the country and the best head coach in all the land. Michigan's core is a top 15 talent roster via recruiting rankings and a head coach who's top five. Those are very good things, but from a recruiting perspective and a head coach perspective, I'd say those are the two biggest perspectives, honestly, outside of wins and losses that people look at. Alabama has the edge here, but Michigan is unblemished and they're rated ahead of Alabama in most power rankings outside of the JP poll, thanks Josh Pate, for a reason. And that's because Michigan is extremely efficient. That's why they're favored to win according to FPI, and that's why Vegas has them as the betting favorite. Because looking at on-field success, even when you adjust for strength of schedule, Alabama has a top 10 strength of schedule. Michigan's is just barely inside of the top 40. Michigan has looked like the more dominant team. They pass the eye test at a greater rate than Alabama does. And Michigan has a better record against the best of the best competition. They beat Penn State on the road and covered the spread. They beat Ohio State at home and covered the spread. Those are two top 10 teams. Alabama has also played, to my knowledge, what are currently two top 10 teams. Texas in Week 2 and Georgia in the SEC Championship game. Ole Miss right now isn't top 10. They weren't top 10 at the time that Alabama played them. Neither is Tennessee. And LSU, there's an argument that maybe LSU should be power-rated top 10, but Let's not go into that for now. Or, you know what? Yeah, let's go into that. LSU, really good offense. That's a great test at home. Georgia, solid test. Texas, another great test. Alabama got dominated by Texas. They beat Georgia and covered the spread one by three. That was a game that Alabama controlled starting in the second quarter, much like how Michigan controlled Penn State and also kept a significant lead or a significant enough lead against Ohio State throughout the game. And against LSU, that was a very back-and-forth affair until uh, Jaden Daniels got hit hard. I believe it was by Dallas Turner, and he had to go out. Nussmeyer had to come in, and at that point, the game was over because Nussmeyer is nowhere close to the Heisman elite first-round, potentially first-round NFL-caliber player that Jaden Daniels is. Michigan has a better record in games that matter. They have a better record overall. They're the more efficient team. And Michigan this season, in spite of dealing with injuries to Will Johnson, who will likely be back to play in the Rose Bowl, and also guard Zach Zinner, they have a an awesome roster. They have elite depth. They have NFL depth. And Alabama does too, but that's something that's normal and expected of Alabama, is for them to have depth. Whether for Alabama at secondary, whether it's Trey Amos, whether it's Dallas, Dallas Turner's at linebacker, edge, but Kool-Aid McKinstry, Malachi Moore, 
Caleb Downs, Terry and Arnold, Tony Mitchell, Antonio Kite, Terry and Arnold. Regardless, they have depth, and that's expected of them. They're Alabama. Michigan, on the other hand, has only had this type of depth under Jim Harbaugh in 2016, and that might be stretching it. And I also think 2022. Maybe 2021, but that could be stretching it as well. This is, I think, Jim Harbaugh's best team and deepest team. And this is in a stark contrast to this Alabama team that I think in terms of ceiling, in terms of efficiency, and in terms of depth is, in my opinion, Nick Saban's worst team since 2010 when they went 10-3 and and lost to Auburn in chokester fashion, lost to Les Miles, and lost on the road to a South Carolina team that lost five other games. Completely inexplicable for Alabama. They, they started that year ranked number one. This was the first year in a while where Alabama was ranked outside of the top two to begin the season. But right now, they're top four, they're 12-1, and one, they're fifth in FPI, Michigan is first in FPI, According to FPI, Michigan should be favored by more than the Vegas line provided by ESPN and also by the lines provided by FanDuel, Caesars, and other sports books that are fa- that are featured on Action Network. Pardon me. This is a Big Ten-centered channel, so these polls lean Big Ten and by proxy lean Michigan as well. I still wanted to get a gauge, a feeling of where my audience thinks this game is going. And typically on polls, I don't get close to 5,000 voters. But there's a lot of interest in this game, clearly. 45% of you picked Alabama to win. 55% of you picked Michigan to win. There was around 4,800 voters. Make sure to vote in my community section because your vote counts and it's showcased on this channel. About 2,160 of you picked Alabama, 2,640 picked Michigan. There are a lot of people that are of the opinion that because Michigan hasn't won the college football playoff or even a college football playoff game, period, therefore they can't. That's incorrect, but it's an understandable assertion. There are other people who assume because Alabama looked bad at the beginning of the season Therefore, they're bad right now, and Michigan will expose them. That's also an incorrect assertion. Um, Alabama has transformed their team. Jalen Milrow actually looks competent. He looks elite in the deep pass and using his scrambling ability. He no longer looks like a deer in the headlights. He just no longer... He no longer looks afraid to step up or uncomfortable in his position. I really liked Jalen Milrow... Entering the season, I made a video talking about how I think he could compete for the Heisman. And I think, in retrospect, it was obviously a premature opinion. But a premature opinion, if it materializes just a little later than expected, I think there can still be some merit to that. I think in 2024, when he comes back, he will probably have a huge season. Because I expect him to continue to grow. He is a man of high character. He's a good leader, he gives his all, tries his best, and with his stable of receivers, whether it's Jermaine Burton or whether it's Isaiah Bond, he 
he knows how to work secondaries. I mean, his deep ball accuracy is incredible. And then the offensive line, I still don't think they're an elite O-line or even a near elite offensive line, but they've improved. They're no longer bad. They're no longer below average. They're, I'd say, above average, or dare I say it, good. They're peaking at the right time at the lines of scrimmage. And for Michigan, they haven't won a national championship since 1997. They haven't won a national title or even played for a national title in a national title game in the 21st century. But Michigan is number one in efficiency, and they're number one in FPI. They have 27.6 football power index points, and they have a 94.4 efficiency value. Georgia, last season, they were the only team with more than a 90 efficiency value. Michigan, along with, I think, Oregon, those are the only teams that have a greater than 90 efficiency value. Georgia last year had 29.9 FPI points. They were first in FPI. Georgia in 21, first in FPI, first in efficiency. Alabama, first in FPI, first in efficiency in 2020. LSU, weirdly enough, third in FPI in 2019, second in terms of efficiency. Ohio State was first in both of those categories, and they matched up better with LSU than Clemson did. But as fate had it, Clemson won that game against Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl. In 2018, Clemson was first in FPI, and Clemson was third in efficiency. They just had an amazing playoff run. Alabama and other teams looked much more dominant during the regular season then. But you get the point. Most of these teams, before the national championship was even played, before the semifinals were even played, the teams that wound up winning the national championship were ranked number one in FPI, because FPI is a joke in the preseason. It is, but by the end of the regular season, it begins to become scarily accurate because it has a large enough sample size to ingest statistics, to ingest wins, losses, how those factored in, ingest game control. Like That's something Michigan's really good at. Michigan rarely trails teams, and when they do, they bounce back rather quickly. Like Penn State versus Michigan. Penn State kicks a field goal. That might as well have been game over. Michigan took control immediately after that. Or when Indiana scored their first touchdown and took a lead against Michigan, Michigan rattled off like, I think, I think it was 52 or 56, no, 52. It was 52 unanswered points. They rattled off. So Michigan right now, they're number one in these power metrics for a reason, just because they got humiliated by Georgia in the Orange Bowl, embarrassed by TCU in the Fiesta Bowl in 21 and 22 respectively, doesn't mean they can't win. They can. The question is, will they? It's the same for Alabama. Can they? Absolutely. Even in spite of the fact that Texas humiliated them in their own stadium. The question is, will they? This is going to be a close matchup, I think. In my mind right now, I think that Michigan has the better resume. They have the better strength of record. They control their games better. They are the more efficient team. I would lean at this current moment to say that they are the better team. But Alabama's played the tougher schedule. They have the more talented roster by recruiting rankings, and unfortunately that matters, though not as much as some people think. And they have the much better head coach. I want to talk about Alabama 
first and talk about their defense first specifically. You can look at Dallas Turner nicely on your screen, one of the best defenders in the country, because defense wins championships. You may be shocked at the fact that in all of these statistics that I have listed up here, these are ones that I think are intriguing, interesting, or important. Opponent points per play, opponent yards per point. It's basically saying how many yards does your opponent have to travel to score a single point on your defense. Opponent yards per play, opponent plays per game, average yards per carry allowed, average passer rating allowed, opponent red zone score percentage, and opponent punts per score. Alabama isn't top 15 in any of these categories. None. Zilch. You may be thinking to yourself, well, I guess Alabama's defense is insanely overrated, but not so fast. Alabama's defense is ninth in efficiency. Is Alabama's defense elite statistically? I don't think so, but they could be elite on the field. And a defense for that is they have played the 18th most efficient offense in Texas, the fourth most efficient offense in Georgia, the most efficient offense in LSU, who has 97.5 offensive efficiency points, which is just insanity. They've played the 17th most efficient offense in Ole Miss. That's insanely impressive. The 28th most efficient in terms of Tennessee. Michigan, on the other hand, the most efficient offense that Michigan has played is Ohio State's eighth. And then after Ohio State, you have to scroll down quite a bit. Maryland at 31st. That's the second most efficient offense that Michigan has played all season. Not even top 25. So Alabama's defense has played tougher. I would say more physical because of Georgia and their offensive line. That's Joe Moore Award caliber. And also more explosive offenses than Michigan's defense has. Being top 20 in points allowed per play, opponent yards per point, and opponent yards per play is rather impressive. This is a defense, mind you, that is well coached. They don't necessarily have, in my opinion, a Will Anderson. It's just my opinion. They don't have a Patrick Sertain, or maybe they do in Caleb Downs, but They have a lot of young players. I think they have experience at multiple positions, or lack of experience, rather, because of their youth and a somewhat questionable run defense, but they have elite secondary play, and they have an intimidating pass rush. Their defensive end unit and their secondary, in my opinion, is the strength of this defense. Alabama has 38 sacks on the season, 44 passes defended, 12 interceptions, one returned for six, and they have nine forced fumbles and six fumble recoveries. This team is disciplined overall. I think that Kevin Steele has done a good job with the defense. This is a more physical and I would say more in touch and aware and present defense than the defenses of Pete Golding. But again, circle back, I don't think you have a Will Anderson. You don't have an alien, in my mind, on this defense. There are great players. There are players that could be drafted in the first round, but Will Anderson was just an exception to the rule. You have Chris Braswell. You have Dallas Turner, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Malachi Moore, Caleb Downs starting as a true freshman. Very impressive. 
Uh, defensively, you have Justin Ibogbe. I hope I said that name right. Tim Keenan third, Jaheim Otis, Tim Smith, Damon Payne Jr., Jamarian Latham, Deontay Lawson, also at linebacker, along with Tresman Marshall. You have great players. You have elite players. Alien is different. Alien is Marvin Harrison Jr., Roma Dunze at wide receiver. Alien is what Jalen Milrow could become at quarterback given proper development. Alien is what Lamar Jackson was in 2016, or what Jaden Daniels is this season. Alien, I think, is what Chase Young, for example, is like. Or, I forget the name of this specific defensive tackle for Texas. I'll know his name when I do a similar preview video for the Sugar Bowl, like the one that I'm doing now. But, he's an alien. Or, Jalen Carter. Or, I don't know if this is necessarily the case in athletic ability, but Michigan's Mikey Sainra still plays almost with an alien attitude. Maybe I'm wrong on this. I think this defense is great. Maybe they do have a unicorn-type player, a player that is just outer-worldly, and that would probably be Kool-Aid McKinstry or Dallas Turner. But there's nothing wrong with not being a unicorn and just elite, because elite's pretty darn close to a unicorn. The secondary is awesome. It's been improving. And because of the lack of experience, the lack of returning production from last year, these players improve defensively, but also offensively at almost an exponential rate for the Crimson Tide. And seriously, what Kevin Steele has done, great job. Um, I think the weakness of this defense overall, again, is the run defense. They're only 30th in average yards per carry allowed, and they have faced good offenses, teams that can run the football, like Georgia, Ole Miss, Tennessee at times. Um, A&M has had some success this year, better success than in previous seasons under former head coach Jimbo Fisher at running the football. LSU, better at running the football, and they have a superior offensive line compared to last year. Then again, the only offensive line out of all those teams that I think is better than Michigan's, and Michigan's has taken a step back, but it's still a great offensive line, would be Georgia's. And I don't think that Georgia has the running backs that Michigan does. They don't have a Blake Corum. I don't even know if they have a Donovan Edwards. I think that Michigan's running backs can make their offensive line more productive than it is, almost carry the offense. I think Georgia's running backs as showcased against Alabama, really need their offensive line to function in order to do anything effective. Even though I like Dejon Edwards, I think he's a good running back. This defense, though, is improving. They're top 20 in the statistics that I think matter the most, which are toughness. How hard does an opposing offense have to try to score on you? I think that's reflected in yards per point. Points per play, that's important. They're top 20. And that's after playing a Georgia team that is just ridiculous in third down conversion in scoring offense. And they're used to being on the field all the time. They're barely top 50, only 49th in opponent plays per game. And that's not always a good thing, but something that could be positive in that is that if Michigan tries to run down the clock and wants to run a bunch of plays, Alabama's defense will have the stamina to put up with that. 
Let's talk about the Crimson Tide's offense. This offense is efficient at the deep pass. They're ruthless. And the offensive line, while I still think it is a weakness, isn't proving. And one of the greatest things that you can have for your team is your weakness to be peaking to improving. For your weakness, for the gaping hole that you have in your dam to be shrinking, to be closed up. Because that either takes a miracle or a work of art, of elite craftsmanship. And I think that it's the latter. I think that's Nick Saban. I think that's Tommy Reese. I think it's Eric Wolford. Uh, Defensively on the defensive line, I think that goes for Freddie Roach and how this defense has improved. This staff is, I think, a critical piece of this team that I underestimated in the preseason. I thought that the staff, in a certain sense, would be holding the team back in the preseason. That's not the case here. The staff is carrying this team. This roster, with nearly any other staff in college football, I would confidently say 95-plus percent college football staffs, would not win the SEC with this roster. In fact, dare I say this, they probably don't even make the SEC championship game. And yet, here we are. And this offense is proficient in the deep pass, This offense produces 0.201 points per play margin, which factors in defensive performance as well, 15th there. In points per play, they produce 0.484 points per play, which is 23rd. They're top 15 in yards per point offensively and yards per point margin. They're tied for 10th in red zone scoring percentage. And in yards per play and third down conversion percentage, and offensive touchdowns per game, they're not phenomenal, but they get the job done, and then some there. This offense, again, efficient. They're improving in their weaknesses. They still have underwhelming offensive line play. Allowing four sacks to Georgia is not a good sign. This Georgia defense stinks at getting pressure, and their defensive line is not nearly as physical or athletic as it was the past two seasons. Their secondary is awesome, better than 2022 secondary, but that front was a weakness, and you knew that for Georgia, that their front would be a weakness since their game against Auburn, I think. Even factoring in the quarterback run, the way that Auburn with those transfers was able to control that game in some aspects was very telling. And... In a certain sense, with how Alabama was improving throughout the season running the ball, maybe that was an area that I should have saw coming, was that Alabama might have had some kind of line of scrimmage advantage over the Bulldogs. I still think in a general power rating sense, Georgia overall is the better trench play, but it's not as strong or as invincible as it was the past two seasons, and Alabama's trench play on both sides of the ball is improving. They have elite athletes, the Crimson Tide do, at quarterback, wide receiver, and at running back, they have players, whether it's Jace McClellan or Roydell Williams, who really punish opposing defenders. Both have over 500 rushing yards, and Roydell Williams is averaging 5.1 yards per rush. McClellan is averaging 4.8 yards per rush. Jalen Milrow 
has 468 rushing yards and 12 rushing touchdowns. He also has 2,718 passing yards, 23 passing touchdowns, only six interceptions. He has a 177.5 passer rating. It's better than Bryce Young's last season. The secret to all of this, of course, is that he only has 261 passing attempts. They're not using him unless they have to use him. But when they do, he's very efficient. Jalen Milrow right now has a top 10 QBR, ninth in the country with an 83.6 QBR per ESPN. On the receiving end, Isaiah Bond and Jermaine Burton. Tale of two worlds. Burton has 35 receptions for 777 yards and eight receiving touchdowns. Definitely the deep threat on this team like he was also at Georgia. Um, His biggest games were against Texas A&M. Auburn, and I would also say Georgia for having that one touchdown reception against a tough secondary. Isaiah Bond, on the other hand, leads the team in receptions with 44, but has only 621 receiving yards and four receiving touchdowns. He's come on later in the season. His biggest games were also against Texas A&M, Georgia, and Auburn, but he had more yards and more receptions against Georgia than Jermaine Burton did. He's an impact player, 5'11", from Georgia, 182 pounds. Jermaine Burton's 6'194 pounds from California. They have a great stable of receivers, definitely a better receiver room than the one that Michigan has. This offense has improved. It was a glaring weakness overall at the beginning of the season. Now, it's kind of coming together, and I think it matches up somewhat well with a Michigan defense that occasionally surrenders big passing plays. What's Alabama's strength on offense, you may ask? Oh, um, uh, the the deep pass. No, duh, just like Washington. That that Washington matchup with Michigan as a Wolverine fan actually scares me because Washington isn't afraid of passing the football all the time. I don't think Alabama's passing offense can properly function if all they can do is pass the football. They, they have to have that balance. Washington doesn't necessarily need to. But we don't even know if Michigan and Washington are going to play for the national championship. It could be Michigan-Washington. It could be Michigan-Texas. It could be Alabama-Texas. It could also be Alabama-Washington. We'll just have to see. But this Michigan defense, outside of opponent red zone score percentage, and that's somewhat a misleading statistic because they rarely allow teams to get into the red zone on them anyway. Michigan has allowed red zone trips to Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State. That's it. No one else, no one else has gotten, I don't think, a red zone trip on Michigan. They've had some deep touchdowns, some long touchdowns, often in the fourth quarter those inferior teams did, or they didn't score a touchdown at all, like in the case of, let's say, Iowa or East Carolina. This Michigan defense is legit. They have an elite pass defense, and they consistently shut down the run. There are no glaring weaknesses here. I think the big passing plays, to a certain degree, is nitpicking. Some look at the game against Ohio State and say, well, that's a weakness. And I would just say that I think Cade Stover and Marvin Harrison Jr., And that Ohio State receiving core, as long as you give them a competent quarterback, would have moments of torching on any secondary in the country because their receivers are that good. 
It wasn't just the fact that McCord made great throws in the game. There were also moments where players were just open because they're that good. Again, Marvin Harrison Jr., he has the alien factor, the unicorn factor. And Emeka Egbuka has that potential. Stover, in my opinion, has that mindset and has developed himself into being a very reliable tight end. This Michigan defense isn't as battle-tested as Alabama's defense, but my goodness, they look so much more efficient, so much more put together. In my opinion, they're deeper. And that is something I would not have said most seasons when Nick Saban was at Alabama and Jim Harbaugh is at Michigan. Michigan is first in opponent points per play, only allowing 0.162 points per play. They are also first in opponent punts per score, forcing three punts per offensive score of their opponents, and that includes field goals, not just touchdowns. Michigan is sixth in average passer rating allowed and also sixth in average yards per carry allowed. Their first in opponent plays per game, which can be a blessing, shows that they, again, force punts early, often, their defense is well-rested. That could also be a cause of concern, though, if Alabama is able to go on long drives and physically pound Michigan. Michigan's defense could get tired quickly. The Wolverines are fourth in yards per play allowed from their opponent, and they're first in yards per point. Opponents of the Wolverines have to gain 25 yards, a fourth of the field, to score one point on average. That's nuts. That's absolutely crazy. And it's because the Wolverines have NFL depth at every position. The staff is extremely adaptable. They have speed. They have athleticism. Michigan this season, their offense is more efficient than it was the previous three seasons or two. No duh, of course, for 2020. But we'll get to this in a few minutes. Their offensive line isn't the same as 2022s or even 2021s. I think that the 2022 offense had a higher ceiling. And the 2021 offense, I'd say on average, would have a lower ceiling just because of inferior quarterback play, wide receiver play, and tight end play. Really, it was only the offensive line in 2021 that played better. Offensive line and maybe running back in 22, but that O-line was just so good. If only Michigan had that elite offensive line in Oluwatimi this season. But they're better at the skill positions. They have better QB play, but we'll get to that in a few minutes. This defense is outer-worldly in comparison to the last two Michigan defenses, and those defenses were near-elite to elite units. This season, the Wolverines in total, they have 33 sacks. They have 16 interceptions, 48 passes defended, 4 pick-sixes, 12 forced fumbles, 8 fumble recoveries. That is, again, that's out. It's outerworldly. It's crazy. Looking at looking at that, the thirty-three sacks. That's not outerworldly. But forty-eight passes defended, sixteen interceptions, four pick sixes, a total of wait for it, twenty-eight turnovers, forced. Well, if you include fumble recoveries, then it's only twenty. It, it's only twenty-four, but. You get the point. That's nearly two turnovers. 
that the defense forces per game. That's crazy. And it's not just against the poor opponents. It's against Penn State, where they forced a turnover, or against Ohio State, where they forced two, or Iowa, a team that they had their worst games by turnovers against Penn State and Michigan. And that's not accidental because Michigan and Penn State routinely take away the football and take the lunch money of their opposing offenses, and they just bully opposing offenses. Michigan's defense, they might be overinflated in the same way that Alabama's is underrated statistically, but I would say that Michigan has the better defense. I would, and I would use the game against Ohio State, who has a better receiver core than Alabama, who even though I think Jalen Milrow is a better quarterback than Kyle McCord is overall, Ohio State is better offensively at literally every other position besides quarterback. And I think they have the better offensive play caller. I think Day is a better play caller than Tommy Reese. Put all those things together. Michigan, they did not perform perfectly against Ohio State. But Ohio State has a better offense than Alabama. In my mind, it's more consistent more explosive offense in general because they can be explosive on the ground and not only through the air. And Michigan was able to, look, hold them. You're able to hold them to 24 points. And on a different day, if they were to rematch with how adaptable this defense is, maybe they could hold them to even less than that. So we'll have to see where all of this goes. Again, I'm very excited for this matchup. I think that Alabama has the potential to match up well with this defense, but even then it'll be hard to score on a defense that is first in so many categories. I did a log actually looking at all the different statistics from teamrankings.com and also some from ESPN's FPI. Michigan outdoes Alabama 111 to 25 out of 136 statistics that I gathered. And defensively, in defense by quarter, scoring defense, and all but one category each in total defense and rushing defense, Michigan is a better than Alabama defensively. And I don't think adjusting for strength of schedule would change much of that. Offensively, Michigan and Alabama are actually closer statistically than they are defensively. And yet Michigan is still first in points per play margin, they're first in yards per point margin, first in yards per point. They only have to, on average, gain a whole first down to score one offensive point, which is ruthless efficiency. And they're top 10 in points per play, offensive touchdowns per game, and they're top 50 in yards per play, red zone scoring percentage, and third down conversion percentage. They convert 46.71% of their third downs, and that has been an area that has fallen precipitously over the past two games against Ohio State and Iowa. But I think those teams have better defenses than Alabama does anyway, though I could be wrong. The offense features a powerful rushing attack with an effective pass offense. The strengths here for Michigan are an NFL interior offensive line and fantastic flex players. Running back, tight end, offensive center, and even with the injury to Zach Zinner, you still have Trevor Keegan, and Carson Barnhart has done respectably at guard. You have good trench play on the interior. The weakness, and this is a glaring weakness for Michigan's offense, is pass protection. Glaring weakness. Michigan this season has had an inferior pass protection, and also run block, but 
I think the more glaring concern is pass protection compared to the previous two seasons. Michigan, compared to the previous two seasons, also had a more explosive ground game. But in terms of power running and short to intermediate running, I think Michigan is pretty close to what they were over the previous two seasons. This offense features J.J. McCarthy, Blake Corum, who's a 1,000-yard rusher, and Corum also has 24 rushing touchdowns. Donovan Edwards' backup has three rushing touchdowns and 382 rushing yards. The Wolverines are led at quarterback by J.J. McCarthy, who has 2,630 passing yards, 19 passing touchdowns, only four interceptions. He has a 170.3 passer rating. Michigan on the season has had far better quarterback play than they have had over the past two seasons. McCarthy has been very efficient. McCarthy right now is third in quarterback efficiency rating, only behind Bo Nix and Jaden Daniels with an 89.2 QBR per ESPN. He's only had one passing touchdown since the beginning of November against Ohio State. So that is an area of concern, but he's nimble. He's able to run the football. Um, and there are times this season, like against East Carolina and Purdue, and even against Iowa, where he had to pass for 30 or more times. So he's more seasoned to take over the offense and put it on his back than he was last season, which proved to be a disaster against TCU. We'll see how he does. But this offense for Michigan is top 10 in efficiency. They can run the football extremely well. Another thing, this isn't a statistic that I show often because it's not important and not every team loves to perform on fourth down, but the Wolverines on fourth down are ruthless. They can pass on fourth down and convert. They can run on fourth down and convert. Michigan converts about 80% of their fourth downs. They're 15 of 19 on fourth down on the season. They converted one against Iowa's defense, three against Ohio State's with passes, runs, you name it. They're great there. So this offense will be a lot to handle for Alabama's defense. I think Alabama can match up well with Michigan's offense defensively in pass rush with Dallas Turner and Braswell. But Michigan, with that interior offensive line against a defensive line of Alabama's that I don't think is particularly special, what's special about Alabama's defense and pass rush comes from their linebackers and edge players, not their traditional defensive ends or tackles. That could be a matchup that Corum, Edwards, and even Alex Orgy as a Wildcat quarterback or McCarthy's legs could exploit in the ground game. That's an early preview of the Rose Bowl, looking at both teams' offenses and defenses in depth, providing statistics and a variety of my opinions. Thank you so much for watching. I know this was a long video, but that's my format on this channel. Thank you to Crash2488, Spencer Bringhurst, Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, Chris Lane, Austin Christmas, and Zubin Zah for being all... Almost messed that up there. Thank you for being my Patreons for the month of December. And special thanks to Crash2488 for being a Heisman Patron member and Spencer Bringhurst for being an all-conference Patron member for the month of December. Have a great day, guys, and I will see you all around. Bye-bye.